Chapter 6, verses 27 through 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Well, I'm very excited about this series on blessed to be a, a blessing. You know, the first week of the series, we talked about spiritual blessings, and we observed how oftentimes children seem to pray with their eyes open because you can hear, hear them praying for the things that they can see from the pet to the parent and even the food on their plate and uh, there are times in our lives that we need to be well we should always be very thankful for the physical but there's times to close our eyes as we mature and thank God for the many spiritual blessings that are not often seen with physical eyes then last week Randy talked about passing on the blessing what a challenging and encouraging message. How we as, as uh, parents or as people of God and the family of God need to pass along that blessing, especially to our children, but to those we come alongside. How to be a blessing and pass that blessing along. And today, <clears throat> bless those who curse you. Wow. I was really motivated by the first and the second. And this one, very, very challenging. Because blessing those who curse you seems absurd by the world standard. So I'm supposed to act absurdly. You know, I, I try to figure out a way to illustrate absurdity. But you know what it is, right? Especially when you see it in others. Yeah. But oftentimes that's what they see in us as well. It's when we, what we do doesn't fit to what they're thinking. And from a Christian perspective, I look at what much, I, much of what I see in the world, and I think it is absurd. But I also reflect that when the world looks at me and how I live my life differently, I'm sure they see many absurdities in Christians as well. Some they call actions of hypo, being hypocritical. And I'm sure Christians, I know Christians at times are hypocritical. But sometimes it is just because it doesn't make sense it doesn't meet their expectations. Now, people know often what they expect of Christians. And one of the, some of the common characteristics that they expect, ways they expect us to act, we can see in our text in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 28. Here's some characteristics of Christians that the text points out. We're to be loving. We're to do good. We're to bless. We're to pray. And I think when most people think of Christians, they expect Christians to do these things. These are four actions that disciples should have. But when they don't see them in the way that they expect to see them, Christians are oftentimes called hypocrites. But I'm here to tell you the world does not get to define the definition for these characteristics of God that He calls us to live in our lives. God gets to define them. And we're going to look at what God says about these first characteristics so let's look at the first one in Luke 6 27 but you who are listening I say love your enemies to you who are listening in other words we get to listen to Jesus on this and not the world 
So let's listen to how Jesus defines these characteristics. Love your enemies. And the world says that's absurd. <laughs> that is not common sense. That is not cultural. It is godly. It's Christ-like living. You see, enemies are those to, who you know are working against you, trying to stop you from doing the things that you want to do. Enemies hate us. They curse us. They despise us. So when we're told to love your enemies, that doesn't come from without. That's not external. That's not just acting like everybody else in the world to love your enemies. It is an internal decision and action. It comes from inside. We love because of who we are, not because of who they are. We love even when others are not worthy of that love or even when they continue to hate us. So love your enemies. And he continues, do good to those who hate you. In other words, be a do-gooder. Don't even know if that should be a word, but I was called a do-gooder many times in life, and none of them complimentary, you know. And I, I think let's take back that and redefine it like God wants us to do. A lot of times when I was called a do-gooder, it was when my friends were doing something that I considered Christians should not do, that the Bible taught us not to do, or it was something that I considered sinful. And so they were going to do it, and I was choosing not to, so they called me a do-gooder. They, they uh, connected it mostly to what sometimes are called vices. But in this text, I am to do good to those who hate me. So the ones who are calling me a do-gooder, my actions to them are to do good to them. I'm not going to harm them. I'm going to look for opportunities to do good to them. When I was in youth group many years ago in southeastern Oklahoma, our, our high school class teacher that we had often was Wayne Warren. And Wayne used to always tell us in class a defini his definition for love. And his definition was active goodwill. Now, I know you can't define love with two words. But his point was, if you love somebody, it takes action. It's not passive. And it is uh, doing good things for them. And I think there's a, I think, I, I understand why Wayne would define it that way. It's not a feeling. So when someone hates me, I'm going to love them. I'm going to actively do good for them. When somebody hates you, how do you know it? I mean, you can tell it, right, when somebody hates you? In their actions, their words, their behavior, the way they look at you. And when someone loves you, it should show in their, as well, in their actions, and the way they look at you, in their words, in their behavior. And Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. He continues and says, bless those who curse you. So blessing includes words of peace and kindness and, and love, even in bad situations. In other words, people are using words to take you down, and you're going to use words of blessing, of love and compassion and peace and kindness in those situations. We'll talk more about that. And he continues, pray for those who mistreat you. So Christians are not only just to do good for their enemies, they're to pray for them. And so in that time, I, I envision this. I, I envision the, 
the disciples in Acts when Paul was coming to, uh, to uh, persecute them, how they prayed, and they prayed for Paul, Saul, that God would do something to stop him where they couldn't see him, where he couldn't find them. And then God blinded them, and they said, yes, God. Didn't think of that one, but you're good. That's not the way to pray for enemies. And that's why, not why God blinded Saul either. Saul couldn't see so he, spiritually, so he blinded him physically as well in hopes that he would see spiritually. And so we pray for our enemies, not that God would bring harm to them or, or retribution, but to help them. Pray for those who mistreat us. Somebody said it's difficult to hate somebody you sincerely pray for, and I think they had it right. It sounds easy to pray for your enemies, those who mistreat you, act in ways that stop you and, and hinder you. It's, it's easy, to, you think, to pray? Not so easy at all. Christians are to act like Jesus, though, not others in the world, and we're to pray for those who mistreat us. So as we continue in the text, what I, I wanted to do was just kind of highlight four absurdities that I saw. I mean, it's, it's kind of trivial, but... Four absurd, absurd examples of this. First of all, slapping. Luke 6, 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. In other words, if somebody causes you physical harm, if somebody hurts you, if somebody causes you physical pain, don't retaliate. Turn the other cheek as well. This is hard to do, right? Hey, when I accidentally hurt myself, I get mad at me. And I know I did it on accident. I didn't do it on purpose. So when someone intentionally hurts me, how do you think I'm going to respond? I am going to react. And when I don't, the world says, that's absurd. Someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. The next one is not slapping, but it's taking. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. In other words, when somebody treats you unfairly, they take something that is by rights yours. I mean, this is mine. I earned it. I deserve it. I worked for it. This is by rights mine, and they take it. When they take your rights, you give more. Absurd. The third one is giving. Give to everyone who asks you, Luke 6, 30. In other words, have a giving spirit, even to those who have a taking spirit. Wow, challenging. And finally, demanding. I had to stretch to get this one, but it's there in the text. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. <laughs> I mean, when I was a child, somebody took my toy. I demanded it back. I cried about it. I wailed about it. I made a big to-do about it until I got it back, right? And I, I learned that because that's what my heart said as a child, and I saw other people doing it as well. Not so in God's kingdom. If someone takes what belongs to you, and I'm not talking about childish things, when, when they take things from us, we don't demand back. In other words, we let go. When you give forgiveness, do you realize forgiving, forgiveness is a letting go? 
See, I, I'm fine with forgiving you. I just don't want you to forget what you've done. And that's not letting go at all. If someone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Give forgiveness. Give a blessing. Then we come to the pivotal point in the text, Luke 6.31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I remember as a child going to church, and I see a bunch of gray hair and, and no hairs out there. You, maybe you heard something like this when you were growing up in church, too. Oftentimes, people look at this, uh, this text, and they call it the golden rule. I think all of us have, have heard it called the golden rule. I don't, but I can remember old preachers ta- taking this text and talking about the iron rule. Anybody ever heard this before? Maybe only southeastern Oklahoma. The iron rule, that is, do unto others before they do to you. They said slightly better than this was the silver rule, do to others what they did to you. But this is, a, this is the golden rule, do to, unto others what you would have them do to you. And they would point out that this is a rule of action. And they, they, there's probably some truth to that. When people are slapping... We take action. When people are taking, we have an action. When people are giving and demanding, we have to act in a different way. We don't just react. It teaches a Christian how we should live with those around us. And we we should treat them the way we want to be treated. Just as a side note, just kind of step away from... From the text for a moment in my message one little tip if you can do this at home you can do this anywhere if you can follow this way of living do to others as you want them to do to you with your wife with your children with your parents with your siblings you can do it anywhere we think it's tough with our enemies but if you can do it with family the people you love, then you have a better chance of doing it with people who hate you. All right, back to the message. So we act this way. We do to others as you would have them do to you because of who we are. We're God's people. And we're to act this way regardless of how other people are acting. Even when they're taking and slapping and demanding, we're not going to let them decide how we're going to act. A Christian is to treat people kindly and lovingly because we are Christians and because that's what right, what's right. You know, a lot of times, especially in history, this text has been put in a negative, used in negative ways. But notice Jesus uses positive terms terms do to others what you would have them do to you the emphasis here is on the action of doing in other words God is calling us Christ is calling us to a higher standard so let's look at it at the these concepts one more time in Luke chapter 6 verses 32 through 34 one time let's highlight three characteristics uh, that he's going to illustrate that of love of doing good and of lending or giving this giving spirit and he's going to say that you know the current standard how the world says and he highlights that with the phrase even sinners even people who are not believers in God that gave their life to him that are Christians even sinners know these 
truth. This is the current standard for loving, doing good, and giving. This is how the world does it. They reflect and respond on the actions of others. Let's look at the full text. Here we go. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. So that's, that's, that makes sense. That's how the world does things. You know, at best, the silver rule. But we're called to a different standard. We're called to a standard that is to be like God. So let's continue in our text, Luke 6, verses 35 through 36. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. That is a whole different standard. I mean, that is not acting like what you're going to see in this world. And to the world, they will think living like this is absurd. Why would you act that way? And the answer is because I am like God and I want to be like God. All right, so in your Bibles, let's move over to Romans chapter 12. And walk through these same concepts again and being a little bit more practical. And the first one is found in Romans 12, 14. This is how we are revealing. We're being like God and revealing God in our lives. The first of all is when we bless others. These are how our actions reveal God in our lives. And one of those is when we bless others. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That word bless can mean just to speak well in a loving way. In other words, they are cursing you. I mean, they're, they're talking very badly about you, things that are very harmful and hurtful and, and to, meant to tear you down and undermine you and whatever you're doing. And into that, we're supposed to speak a word of blessing. Last week in Randy's sermon, he helped define the word blessed. And, uh, and the first one he gave us was from Dallas Willard, and I really like this definition of blessing, the projection of good into the life of another. So when we bless those who curse you, we're supposed to project good into that situation and think of what would be a blessing, a help to them, and then do that. And then Randy gave his own personal definition of blessing. You know, he was talking to us about how we, could, we need to be, pass on the blessing to children, to others. And here's his definition. Intentionally and freely giving someone what they need. Well, last week I thought, man, that's really insightful, Randy. Yeah, I get that. Now you apply that to this week. Bless those who curse, curse you. They are talking and doing and acting in a way to bring you down, and you're going to intentionally and freely give them what they need. You're going to bring that into their lives. By the way, that's the exact opposite of my natural inclination. My inclination is to criticize back. 
When I was a kid, I was very good at getting in cut-down wars. I don't know if y'all do anything like now, but see who could beat each other at a cut-down. That's not what he's talking about here. So our goal is to reveal God in our lives. And one of those ways is to bless. And one of the ways that, that is helpful in us being able to act instead of react is to, is to try to understand the person that is cursing us. Try to understand. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In other words, in a sense, he's saying, take into account the other person's feelings, their mood. Now, be sensitive to them. When they're cursing me, I'm pretty sensitive. But I don't know that if I'm sensitive to their feelings and to their moves. I mean, when, when people are, are doing that to us, it turns us off. But when people are sensitive to our needs and our moods, don't you love being around that kind of person? One that doesn't just always personalize, well, let me tell you what happened to me, you know. Or, uh, but they're, they're listening to you. And so when you're happy, they're celebrating that you're happy. Not that I'm happy, I'm celebrating that you're happy. And when you're down, they are sympathizing with you, and coming alongside your feelings, your emotions. Because that's exactly what Christ did. He attended literally both weddings and funerals. All of us, everyone needs somebody that will listen and understand. Here's the truth, though. I found that it's easier to weep with those who weep than sometimes to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because they got the promotion I wanted. They had children, and I was wanting to have children. They got what I want fought for, sought, and feel like I deserve. And envy creeps in. And rejoicing with those who rejoice leaves. Sometimes I think it's harder to rejoice with those who rejoice because I'm thinking about how I feel. And we need to try to understand others. Be sympathetic. Be understanding. Think of others. And to do that, we need to not be prideful of ourselves we need to avoid pride verse 16 of Romans 12 live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited you need to live in harmony harmony simply means to be in tune with others it doesn't mean we're all on the same note or tune it means that we're in harmony some notes are higher, some notes are lower, but they all fit together. They're not all the same, but they fit together. And worshiping God with you in song, I heard some beautiful harmony. Beautiful harmony. Not all the same, but all fit together. If you come to Sunday night for the Master Night, one of the options is we're learning some new songs. And one of the new songs we started learning last time is one that is is got everybody sings a different line and they all different words different thoughts but all godly thoughts and they come together it is yeah harmony live in harmony with one another not all the same but we all fit together 
All right, so let's wrap this up with some practical thoughts from Romans about how to be a blessing to our enemies. And the first one is, let's break the cycle. Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. In other words, we need to counteract our natural instincts. And my natural instincts is if you do something, if I have a stimuli, I respond to it. So when I'm wronged, I wrong back. And since they're wrong, they wrong back. And we have this vicious cycle. Somebody once said, hurt people hurt people. And they had it right. So don't be manipulated by another person's actions. You're going to choose an action. Not just to react, but to act. I went to the doctor recently, and one of the things he checked was my reflexes. I mean, he had to hit the knee and see if, because if I don't re respond, I even hit around my ankle or something. I, all I know is I think I passed. When he would hit my knee, my leg went out. When he hit my ankle or wherever that was, my foot twitched. So I, I'm, I'm hoping he's, I'm good. He didn't say I wasn't. So people know just right where to push our buttons, don't they? And in this world, they expect an ac action. They expect, expect a reflex action. And when it doesn't happen, they wonder what's wrong with you. What is wrong with you? It's absurd. And what I think God is saying in our spiritual lives, in our living, in our lives here in this world, we're to be controlled by God and not others. And we're not just going to act like they expect us to act. We're going to break the cycle. And one of the ways that helps us break that cycle is to, to be able to see things from their perspective, to walk in their shoes. Verse 18 of Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, as far as it depends on you. In my office, I have a, an old book that's entitled Out of Their Faces and Into Their Shoes. It's actually a book about evangelism. And it talks about if we want to help people come to Christ, we need to not be judging them. We need to understand where they are and then speak Christ into that world, into that place, so that they could see how God would work in their lives and, and bless their lives. But it also, so I just love the title, Out of Their Faces and Into Their Shoes. We need to be understanding see life from another person's perspective look beyond their anger and see why is this person hurting look from their perspective and attempt to see things try on their shoes this is especially helpful if you don't want to pay back if you want to break that cycle because oftentimes we want to pay back but the next step that I can observe from Romans 12 19 is we don't pay back. We let God pay back. Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So when you're wounded, when I'm wounded, I don't wound back. I don't pay back others. I don't play God. I leave that for him. Because I'm here to tell you, revenge just wears us down, just weights us down. When I was younger and worked out, I, um, as simply saying, I'm older now and don't work out. When I was younger and worked out, uh, it was kind of big to, they had these weights that you'd put around your ankles or maybe your wrists when you ran or, or so, you know, to kind of work you out. I heard that was really bad for your joints, so I quit that real fast. I don't do that anymore. Instead, I carry my weight around my belt. <clears throat> it was... Weights 
pull us down. And when I did wear those weights on my ankles and then took them off, it just felt like I could run faster and jump higher. Brother and sister, many of us are carrying around the weight of revenge, a vengeful spirit. And if you could take it off, you could soar. You could run faster in this world. You could jump higher. In other words, you could bless more people. Don't carry it around with you any longer. It doesn't look good on a child, and it definitely doesn't look good on God's children. I can forgive, and I can forget. I can. Let God pay back. But that doesn't mean you sit around and do nothing. I mean, in that time, in that place where you're really struggling with this spirit that is reflective of the world, there is action you can take. There's something we need to do. And in those moments, what we do, we pay back God. Romans 12, 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, you bless those who curse you. You don't pay back others. You're paying back God. And how did God treat those who were trying to stop him from doing what he wanted in this world? Who were hindering him in every way? Who were sinners? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we need to act that way too. And it's hard. It's hard. But we need to bless others. Just another little aside. I wish I had five to ten minutes just to, to take off on a tangent on. In, so, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> See, for some of us, that's the part we really like. Okay, I'm going to do good to you, and my purpose is to cause you pain. I mean, to get in your brain, to mess with your mind, and you mess with my mind. And I'm, Does this sound like it fits in the text? I mean, is this why... We pay back God. Is this is why we leave it to God? Don't take revenge? So that we can just get them? That doesn't work, does it? When we act like Christ in this world, the world thinks that it is absurd. Simple illustration. I should, do you remember the old uh, musical Les Miserables? For some, if you've ever heard it, you know... Uh, Jean Valjean acts in such a way to Inspector um, da, uh, Chavert. He acts in such a way that at the end, Chavert just can't get it. And there's that powerful song where he jumps off. You know, he, he takes his own life because he can't understand this. You know, every time in that musical he acted in a godly way to a person who was treating him badly... They just thought, oh, you're just faking it. You're faking it. But when he saw that it was real, he just couldn't handle it. That's the heaping, burning coals on someone's head. Now, that's just a, that's a musical. In the Bible, look at Judas and Peter. They didn't understand how Jesus was acting. And yet in this moment where he is going to die for us, and they saw the core of it, they both went out and wept bitterly, except one just couldn't handle it and took his life. 
And one wept and remembered the words of Jesus and came home. That's the point. You do what's right, not because you can envision burning coals inside someone's head as their mind just burst with how wonderful and good you are. It's just they can't get it. And if they eventually cannot see God in our actions, pay back God. So back, back to our text. Sorry for the little aside sermon. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Someone once said, you never get ahead by getting even. Well, they had a point there. I learned a long time ago that if I could control other people's reactions to me, I was in control. If I could make my sister mad at me, I was controlling how she act. And that's a childish way. That which I learned as a child, I wish I could forget as an adult. Or maybe I need to remember. Because when I start acting in control, I am not allowing them to be in control. Do not be controlled by evil. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. We need to learn in life that we must have control over our reactions. We cannot control what happens to us, what other people do. We can't control events and persecutions and hassles. What we can control is how we react to them. And how can I control it? I can love them. I can pray for them. I can bless them. So back to our text in Luke 6, 27. Where Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This was very important for Jesus that his disciples learned this. So very early in his earthly ministry, he made this point to his disciples. He wanted them to see that when the world treats you badly, into that space we are supposed to bring blessing, even if they curse us and pray for those who mistreat you. But he didn't just teach it. He showed it throughout his life, and he showed it even at the end of his life here on this earth, on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He is on the cross. And when people are slapping him, he does not strike back. I mean, when they were hitting him on the, on the head, he, he could have... Even blindfolded, looked and pointed at the person who did it. You're going to be next. But he didn't do any of that. When he was being struck, he did not strike back. When they were taking, I mean, they took his clothes. They, they cast lots for them. He was giving. When he was forced to go one mile, he carried his own cross. And on that cross... As people insulted him and slandered him. You saved others, save yourself. His response was to look at them, be understanding, and speak a blessing into their lives. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I'm telling you, at that moment on the cross, it would have taken just one nod, one twitch of a finger, and 10,000 angels would have come. I guarantee you, they had all their, tor their chariots torched and lit and ready to roll. And like an auctioneer watches you at an auction, it would have just taken, and they'd have been there. And those people who were hitting and insulting and killing the Son of God 
would have been dealt with. But what happened was Jesus looked at those around the cross and all those who had gone before and all those who would come after and he saw their need and met their need. He intentionally and freely gave what others needed. Bless those who curse you. But I'm not Jesus. Neither are you. But we are Christians. Our goal is to be Christ-like. And brother and sister in Christ, we can't use the statement that I'm not Jesus as an excuse not to live out this truth. And I'm here to tell you, when we put on Christ in baptism, he empowers us to live this way. We can take control. We can decide. Paul also said in Philippians 2.13, I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation. For God is working in you, to giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. First thing is, we've got to want it. You've got to want to be like Jesus. And if you have, and he's helping you want it, then he's going to give you the power to do it. We can live this life, NIV says, to will and to act. You've got to have the will, and then God's going to help us, empower us to do it. We can live that way. Just a moment, we're going to have an invitation song, and I hope it's a time of reflection for you and what God is saying to you this morning. During that, that song, a couple of our shepherds and their wives are going to be in the parlor, go to the parlor. They're going to be praying there, and they would love to join, you to join them, and they would love to pray for you and listen to you and, and just be there for you. We also invite you to respond publicly. If, if there's a way that we can help pray for your strength here or, or uh, your journey back to God, or more importantly, if this is your day that you want this new life that is not reflective of this world but reflective of the God who made this world, and you want to put him on in baptism. Romans 6, 4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live this new life. This new life that is based on acting and not just reacting to this world. Not living like what we see on TV and in this world, but living about what we read about and see in Christ. Our living lives that are based on God's actions, not the actions of others. Have you responded to that action? If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand together and sing?